The title of this morning's message, as you can see from the bulletin, is The Priority of Prayer. The Priority of Prayer. Recently, for those who may be new or haven't been here too long, we have finished, that was just last week, the exposition of 2 Corinthians. We concluded that book last week. That was a delight to be able to study that with you. But I want to bring to your attention a couple of things, first of all, to set the groundwork today, that happen on an annual basis. The elders, as you know, meet on a regular basis at Fellowship Bible Church. You see that from announcements, and half the time you don't see some of the things that are going on, even because they don't make the bulletin. But in addition to that, the elders meet annually. You've been told about this. Uh, for what we call the strategic planning meeting. And that was done this year in June, in which the elders come together and we commit the entire day in which we all come together and basically we do that for a special meeting. And in that special meeting, it is the purpose of that day not to deal with any of the business or the things that are heavy on our hearts that have to be addressed, but to concentrate solely on Fellowship Bible Church and to evaluate and to review Fellowship Bible Church and its ministries, and to try to evaluate what we can try to determine are the strong points of the ministry, and what are the weak points of the ministry, and then we openly discuss among ourselves throughout the day how to strengthen those points that are good, and, and how to, if you will, improve upon those areas that we're weak in. And... Uh, we all come up with our thoughts and so forth, and we pray, and we take these things before the Lord. And the result of that meeting that we have together is that we end up planning some goals and some direction for the coming year, and to set some priorities, if you will, for the coming year for us as a congregation. And I want you to be aware of the fact that in setting priorities, we feel we try to do this before the Lord in the right way. It, we, we look to Him for dependence, as we do as a church, so that God can give us the guidance and direction. He can change that, because if we've read some things wrong, we're, we're open to that. But we do try to set, with our best of our ability, as into God's guidance, the priorities for us. The other thing that happens annually, and some of you are just involved in this, is we have an annual church business meeting as we are required, even by the state of Massachusetts, to have. And we just had our recent business meeting here in September of this year. And during that business meeting, in addition to talking about the offices and the reports and so forth, we spend the time with you as a congregation, and I usually lead in this, to review with you the prior year and what God has done among us and what God uh, has been showing us and so forth. And we review the current status of the church, where we are financially and, and all of that aspect of us, uh, of what's going on. And for those of you that are not familiar with the church, even by this, these few moments, you're going to get a good handle on what we try to do as leadership and what we try to do as a church. We don't just come and meet on Sundays and that's it and we just go our way. We prayfully take these matters before the Lord and want this to be a church that is honoring to the Lord in all of its aspects and want to be open to what God is doing. We also presented that meeting a list of priorities and goals for the coming year that have resulted from our strategic planning meeting and resulted from the way we have analyzed things and present them to you. And I want to mention to you, for those of you who didn't have the benefit of being here, 
That meeting was quite encouraging, I believe, to see what God has done this past year and what he is continuing to do in and among us and through you in this assembly. And, and we were very encouraged to see what God is doing. But two of the top priorities, just so you have it in your mind even this morning, and you can be in prayer for them, two of the top priorities, these aren't all, it's not the purpose of this morning, is to present everything that we did before, but two of the major priorities that we presented to the church were, first of all, we are seeking to find a full-time administrator, uh, because as you know, Pastor Chris is not only the assistant pastor, but he's the school administrator. So that was one of our goals, and our top goal to uh, see as God allows us and to uh, commit ourselves to trying to have someone at a full-time position that's concentrating just on administration and dedicated to that. And the elders are, we've already met, we have a special meeting coming up in another week in which we are specifically just concentrating on that area. But in addition to that, the second one that we presented to the church and what relates to this morning and the Word of God here today for our study is as we analyze things, we really took a look at prayer. And we really feel before the Lord that we would like to see ourselves as, a, as individuals and us as a church, Fellowship Bible Church, to see us improve in the area and enhance the prayer ministry, the prayer of Fellowship Bible Church, the concept, the view of prayer, and the emphasis on prayer in our local assembly. And so that has led to that. And we wanted to, our desire is that uh, for us to know, be known as a praying people and to be known as a praying church. And that is a heart's desire of the elders. Well, that's great. How do you accomplish that? And, and how do you go about it? Well, we don't have all the answers. But some of the, some of the things that we wanted to put before you to help accomplish this, among other things that can be done, and I, I want you to know, even as I prepared this message, and a lot has gone into it, uh, just to share that with you, I had a long list, and I really backed that up, because I don't think we need to get into all of the details. But what I did want to present to you is we do want to review, and we have done it, and are in the process of doing it, as we have mentioned. We want to review prayer meeting nights, Wednesday nights. We want to review the whole concept of that prayer meeting, not to eliminate it, but to enhance it regarding the format that we're having, regarding the youth ministries, because they're meeting on Wednesday night, regarding uh, small groups, all of that. We're, we're analyzing and, and looking and taking before the Lord the best and most effective way to have prayer meeting. And another aspect of it, the only one I, the only one I wanted to bring to you, <clears throat> was we also felt that when I finished the book of 2 Corinthians, it would be good, though I've taught, I looked back, I've taught a number of times on prayer. There are a series on uh, DISC on prayer, and I know Pastor Stringer over the years has taught on prayer. But it would be appropriate at this time to also have some messages on the subject, not to look at every single aspect of prayer. That's not the objective. But to really take some look at, uh, look at prayer and how it could enhance us and what may be from the Word of God. It's caused me to go back and start digging from if you will, about prayer, and, and to really take a look at it and, and to try to narrow it down, which is a tremendous challenge, and I haven't finished with the challenge yet, but how to narrow it down to just enough messages, a brief amount of messages, but enough to give us as a church a feeling for why prayer 
is important and, and why we need to have that as an emphasis for our church and why it should be an emphasis for us as individuals. And so as I've prayed about it and as I've been studying and so forth, certainly the one that came to me first was the one I have here for you. And that is the priority of prayer. Should it be a priority? Why should it be a priority? And how does that priority fit in? So that's what we start with this morning, and I'm not even sure how far we'll get because of things that have transpired this morning, but we'll take it, and we're going to leave that to the Lord. I will not go, just to put you at ease, endlessly for months and months and months on the subject, because I could do that. But we will try to narrow it down to that which is relevant to the objectives that I've just tried to outline for you. What about prayer? Should it be a priority? Is it? To see this, I think we must first realize a couple of things that I put in the outline in the bulletin, and the concentration this morning is on that first one. And that is that prayer must, I believe this biblically, prayer must always, I didn't put that in your outline, but accompany the Word of God. It must accompany the Word of God. In this passage that I read in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, and I have expounded the book of Acts before this congregation. Certainly one thing we can see immediately is that priorities needed to be established. Look at verse 1 and 2 again. And I think it's important to always put some things in context for you so that I don't take it out of context even on a subject study. But if you look at verses 1 and 2, there was a problem that had come in the early church. And the Hellenistic Jews, and I don't want to get into all of that background for time's sake, but in the situation, they, the widows were not being ministered to properly. We can see that in verse 1. And what happened in verse 2 was the leadership, the 12, summoned the congregation as... So the, first of all, the leadership recognized this. And secondly, the, the body of Christ, the assembly, needed to recognize this. They needed to see something. And what was that? There needed to be concern for priorities. Now, I want to say right away that it wasn't that the apostles were not concerned about the poor. Because if you study the New Testament, you realize that they were very concerned and even took up offerings for the poor. They, they were very concerned and would minister to, and the apostles always did minister to the needs of people. They were ready to do that, and they did that. They were concerned for these widows without question. And yet... They also realized that God had called them to a higher, if you will, responsibility. And I want to be careful. In the body of Christ, we're all one. But they had a tremendous responsibility. So in verse 2, it says it's not desirable for us. And he didn't say that it wasn't desirable for them to serve. They would. But he said it's not desirous for us, watch verse 2, to neglect the word of God, in order to serve tables. It isn't that I won't serve tables. It isn't that I won't minister to these needs. But it's not going to be desirable. Why? Right away, I want you to see, because it wouldn't be beneficial to the local body for that to happen. In, all, in what way? The body, first of all, would not be functioning with its gifts the way they should, in which everybody was participating. And by the way, there are a lot of small churches particularly in which this is a problem because everybody expects the pastor to do everything. The visiting, the sweeping, the setting up of the church, the, the, whatever it is that goes on. Praise God, that doesn't happen here. 
But there are a lot of churches that that is true. They expect that. You know, we hired him. He's supposed to do everything. And if anything goes wrong, we blame him. If anything goes right, we don't let him know. And because we don't want him to get a big head and so forth. And, and, you know, but this is true. It happens. That wasn't the attitude. They were ready to serve. And I will tell you this, as God is my witness, I know the elders of this church. And I know Pastor Stringer, the founder of this church. They would not hesitate to do anything. Rake leaves, clean tables, move whatever. That's not the point. We will do that. But these leaders needed to recognize that it would not be beneficial to their personal responsibilities, not be beneficial to the church body as a whole, would not be beneficial even for the glory of God if they neglected their primary responsibility to do those things. And I say that, and I want to say this in the right way so you get it, because I, with all my heart, I believe you need to have it as a congregation, and I do think we do, but I don't want us to forget it. I do believe that it should be part of your responsibility as a church to make sure, particularly Pastor Dan, because he's in the pulpit, but that the elders have the time to study the Word of God. You ought to make sure that you're relieving responsibilities. That is one of the reasons why that first priority to change things for Pastor Chris. We ought to have a sense as a congregation to say, we want to make sure whoever the people are, if God were to strike me dead today, the next person that gets into this pulpit, it ought to be part of your responsibility to make sure things are pulled away so that man is able to study the word of God and feed the flock. It's part of the responsibility the congregation has. So we can see right away, priorities needed to be established. There was a genuine concern, but there was concern for individual priorities to be set, number one, that's obvious from the leaders, but also for the church because they called them together. And the churches have to have, a local assembly has to have a sense of priorities. The early church saw two fundamental, if you will, or two top, if you will, or two most important, if you will, priorities, if you will. They saw two, what I will say, and many have used this term, non-negotiables. These are not negotiable. And the priorities came out very clear. The priorities are, number one, the Word of God, and number two, help me out, prayer. We could stop right here. They saw that there's got to be a priority in the individual's life and a priority in a church's life in which priorities are given to, one, the Word of God, and two, to prayer. That would tell me that the Word of God sees prayer as a high priority. But it would be remiss if I didn't deal with the Word of God and just jumped into prayer. I really feel that before the Lord because they're so interwoven here. And as you will see, even by the way, you might not have caught it in a responsive reading. Even when we know God's will, in fact, I will put it this way, it's because we know God's will that we should be driven to our knees. They're so interconnected. Why the Word of God? Well, we need to have the Word of God as a priority, and I think that's important for everybody to hear, because I believe in evangelical quote-unquote churches today, many places, the Word of God is not the priority of the church. There's many other things. We need to have the Word of God as a priority. Why? Because, number one, it's God's written revelation to man. 
It's His Word to us. Number two, God has given us His expectations for us individually, how to conduct ourselves as a church in the Word of God. In the Word of God, we have God's plan for the ages, if you will, all through, including prophetic. And certainly, the one, and I think probably the most important, as the Word of God tells us, that we need the Word of God as a priority because it is through the Word of God that we get the revelation to God Himself as to who He is, what He's like, and how that can affect our lives or should affect our lives. It's how we get to know Him. But also, God tells us some other things about the Word of God, and I'm only going to give you five simple points under this. Point number one, the reason they had to have the Word of God as a priority, verse 2, and the Word of God as a priority, ministry of the Word, verse 4, is because this is how, here's number one for you, this is how God himself or Christ himself set us apart. Have you got that? We're living in a world. We're living in a world of confusion. We're living in a world in, uh, with unbelievers. Number one, God set us apart from the world by the word of God. Go with me to John chapter 17. You need to see this. All of this for the priority of prayer. John chapter 17. Look at verse 6. I manifested, this is Jesus Christ. People refer to the high priestly prayer. This is really, by the way, the Lord's prayer. What we call the Lord's prayer is, is instruction for us. But this is where he's really praying. This is the Lord's prayer. Verse 6, he says, I manifested thy name to men whom thou gavest me out of the world. Now, don't get all caught up in that theology for a second. I want you to see the point related to what we're discussing here. Thine they were, and thou gavest them to me, and they have what? Kept thy word. The ones that you've given me have kept thy word. They were the ones that responded. They're the ones who kept it. Now, jump down to verse 13. He says, but now I come to thee. He's about to leave. And he says, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy full in themselves. I have given them, what? Thy word, and the world has hated them. Why? Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Comparative, we're not of the world as he's not of the world. Verse 15, I don't ask thee to take them out of the world. Okay, he didn't do that. But to keep them from the evil one. Verse 16, they are not of the world, how? Even as I am not of the world. I don't get it. Explain it to me. Verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Set them apart, what? In the truth. If you don't understand it, here it is. Thy word is truth. Thou, As thou didst send me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctified myself that they themselves also may be sanctified, what? In the truth. God sets us apart. That's the point. Christ himself, even before he left the earth, prayed and said, Father, I've been separated. And you think about Christ for a minute. He always did the Father's will. He knew what God wanted, and it was the word of God that was guiding him so that he was able to follow the will of the Father. 
And he says, I'm setting them apart the same way. I'm not pulling them out of the world. I'm leaving there. They have the word of God and set them apart with that. Let them, if you will, get saturated. If you will, let me uh, just give a quotation out of Colossians. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's how we're going to be set apart. That's how we're going to be set apart. So that's why we need to have that as a priority. Secondly, we know this. I'll give it to you. Number two, we need the word of God because that is what brings salvation. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing, we're still awake. By the word of God. So faith comes by the word of God. And we know that from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you can mark that down in your notes if you want, it is through the foolishness of preaching that God has chosen to save some. So by preaching the word of God, we need to be committed to that. We need to be committed if the world turns around and says, look, I want programs and let's get rid of the book or we'll add the book in occasionally. No, no, no. Let's keep the book and get rid of the programs if we have to do that. If we can use both, fine. But the priority should be the word of God because as we preach the gospel, that's why in Romans 1, verses 16 and 17, it was Paul that said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because the power of God unto salvation. Where does that gospel come? From the message that God has given us where recorded in the word of God. So the word of God has got to be a priority because Christ set us apart that way. It's got to be a priority because that's what brings us to salvation. Thirdly, it also validates a true disciple of Christ. Uh, the word of God, listen, should be a priority in my life individually, in your life individually, and in our life as a church. Why? Because it is the word of God that validates that we belong to him. How do we know that? John chapter 8, since you're in John. I kept you there without turning the other ones because I knew I was going to come back. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. I've given you this verse thousands of times. Jesus, therefore, was saying to those Jews who believed on him, fine, you believe on me, great. If you abide, if you continue, if you make yourself at home, if you remain in, if you are there, where in the word, then... You are truly disciples of mine. And not only that, verse 32, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free from error, free from knowing what truly is of God. How do we do that? By being in the Word of God. So a validation, I'm just giving you five quick points here. A validation that you belong to Christ is that you are in the Word. And in case you think he's the only one that spoke about that, get these words from Peter. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word. We ought to desire it. There's something wrong, I've said that many times, if you don't want to read the word of God. Maybe you're not a disciple. Maybe you don't belong to him. You see? We're not all going to be theologians and so forth, but we ought to read the word of God. That's a nourishment. So it validates our discipleship to Christ. Fourth, it is commanded. The word of God should be a priority because it's commanded to be studied, taught, and preached. And you're saying, we haven't got to pray yet. Stay with me. The word of God is commanded to be studied, to be taught, and to be preached. Turn with me to 2 Timothy, because that's where we're going to land for points 4 and 5. 2 Timothy. Give it to you quick. 2 Timothy. Timothy was told in chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourselves approved of God doesn't matter what man thinks, but approved of God. As a workman that does not need to be ashamed, 
And then he says this, handling accurately the word of truth. I can't handle it accurately unless I'm in it and I study it. So it's commanded that. Not only that, if you turn to chapter 4 now, you see in verses 4 to 1 that it was commanded to be taught. He said, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is a judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Why? I think this is the church today. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. And if you want to get really blunt about it, I think what that's saying is you're going to find congregations that are going to have pastors in the pulpits that are going to tell them what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. And that's the type of people they're going to have. And notice this, verse 4, and will turn their ears away from what? What happens? The truth. What do they turn to? Myths. Because they don't know the truth anymore. That's why the desire should be number one priority in the church is to have the word of God taught and is for us to have it in our lives. And last one I'll give you, and it's also in 2 Timothy. Turn back to, to chapter 3. You know this one from memorization, I'm sure. The fifth point is we need to have the priority of the word of God because that is how we grow. Where do you get that? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's how we got it. How much? All of it. Where did it come from? God. What's it profitable for? Teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness. That is where we're going to grow. If you really want to grow as a believer, and I want to grow, and we want to grow as a church, we absolutely have to have as the priority the word of God so we can be in it because that's how we're going to be rebuked. That's how we're going to be encouraged. And what ultimately is going to happen, verse 17, that the man of God may be adequately equipped, or adequate, equipped for every good work, so that we can produce the good works that God wants us to produce in our lives. So what it's saying here in, in, in what we're looking at, as we see in Acts chapter 6, he, that's why they said, it isn't that we can't serve tables. Our priority has got to be the word of God. We can't leave this because salvation rests upon it. We can't leave this because your growth rests upon it. We can't leave this because Christ has set us apart by that. We can't leave this at all because it's a test of whether we belong to Christ. And we can't leave this at all because God commanded it of us. And so they, they had that as a top priority. So the word of God should be top priority. And I want to say to you that I do think it's fair, and I don't think I... I am not being objective in this, having watched the church and been here for a long time. I think it's fair to say that Fellowship Bible Church is known for its preaching and teaching of the Word of God. And I praise God for that. I do. I think I've shared it with you before. I apologize to you if I have. But I will tell you this, that I did have somebody come. It was about a year ago and made a contact with me, and they said, I want you to know why I came to visit Fellowship Bible Church. Why? It says, I went to another church in the area, and they said, I went to a few services, and afterwards I, I went to the pastor, and I said, you know, I appreciate the church, but it's really not what I'm looking for. I'm really looking for a church, and they told that right directly to the pastor. I'm looking for a church that really is concentrating on teaching the Word of God. The pastor of that church, which is, not, which is in the Merrimack Valley, let me put it that way, the pastor of that church said, then you go to Fellowship Bible Church. 
That's what the person told me. I said, praise the Lord. If that's what we're known for, a church that's going to teach the word of God even to other churches, praise the Lord. So it should be. But also, here's where we make the bridge. That's got to be a priority. And I think it's fair to say that we're known as a church that at least attempts. I know Pastor Stringer did it. I know the elders do it. I know I do it with all my heart. Try to preach the word of God as best I know, even when you disagree with me. I try to do it as best I can. And we try, and we're known for that. But we must also accompany the word of God with the second priority, and that is prayer. It is a must. It is the priority of our text. Go back to it. In Acts chapter 6, in Acts chapter 6, in verses 3 and 4, which I read, and you know it again, but you see uh, in those verses... Verse 4, you get the congregation involved as they gave some guidelines for the person. I don't want to spend the time on that. Please allow me that grace in verse 3. But in verse 4, but we will devote. We will commit ourselves, if you will. We will give attention to. We will, if you will, concentrate on. Our concentration is going to be not in one area. It's going to be in two areas. What is it? The concentration is going to be to prayer, which he mentions first, by the way, and he says ourselves personally. And don't for one minute think this morning in this message, you can turn around and say, see, that's for the individual leaders. It's for all of us. And it's for the congregation as well. You'll see that in time. We need to see that it's a priority, prayer and the ministry of the word. God has also ordained. Why is prayer a priority? Let me tell you this already. Because God has ordained the means by which he's going to accomplish things as well as what he is going to accomplish. Did you get that? God has already ordained what he's going to accomplish. But the means by which he's chosen, not us, the means by which he's chosen to accomplish that is prayer. That's his choice. And that's the way he wants to accomplish things. Remember what we just studied recently as we closed off 2 Corinthians. Who changes hearts? God. We can't do it. I can come here Sunday after Sunday, sweat myself to death, pour out my heart, walk out of the building, and no heart be changed. Unless God does something. It's the bottom line. I can, that's why in a church, you can, you can have programs, you can do whatever you want. It's not going to do anything. God has, and he's chosen to use the word of God. But God also has to open those hearts. We saw that. It's not fancy preaching. It's not eloquence. And I know that I'm farthest from that. And that's terrible English already. I'm the farthest from that and so forth. And I know that. But God's not looking for eloquence. He's not looking for fancy preaching. He's not even looking for music. He's not looking for the technology. He's not looking for just PowerPoint presentations. He's not looking for program. If God doesn't have any of that, he's going to accomplish his purposes. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you mark these down, verses 4 and 5, and we learn there that what? We find out that we don't preach Christ and in 2 Corinthians, we saw it in chapter 2, verses 17, and chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. I, I mix up the passages there. But we don't preach ourselves, but we preach Christ is what I meant to say. 
We don't preach ourselves, but Christ crucified. And it's not with fancy speech that he came to them, never with enticing words. He didn't try to manipulate the word of God. And what is the power behind the preaching? It is prayer. It is the power of the word of prayer. The word of God and prayer have to go together. I want you to see a couple of verses on this right away. Go with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I can see we're not going to finish the first point this week. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Look at verse 1. Finally, this is Paul, the mighty apostle. Paul, yeah, watch. Finally, brethren, the first three words. Pray for us. Why? Look, he tells you that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also with you. What's he saying? He's saying pray for us, but he didn't stop there. He says, basically pray that the word of God will run, literally, will spread, literally. That's what he's saying. He said, don't only pray for us, but pray that the word of God, in effect, will have its effect. We'll really be able to go just like it did with you. And what happened with the Thessalonian church? Remember, they turned to God from idols. And their testimony just spread like wildfire. Why? The word of God was effective. Let me ask you right now. Obviously, no raise of hands or anything. Did you pray this morning, before you came, that when I get in this pulpit, that God would have his way in your heart? That God would use the power of the word of God in the lives of this congregation today? That our worship service together would be sweet incense before God? Let's be honest. Most of us have trouble getting out of bed. And if you're watching sports, you really had trouble getting out of bed. <laughs> it's true. And what happens is we're tired, and then it's, you know, we're all grumpy. Hurry up, get your shoes. Hurry up. We've got to eat. We've got to get out the door. Come on, we're late. And off we go. And if you got, and I've been through it. If you got a few kids at home, hurry up, that one, but we haven't even got a dress. Take her, dress her in the car. I haven't got my hair combed. Do it in the car. You know, come on. It's real. That's the way we are. We're people, and that's, we understand that. But for what I want you to grasp as a congregation, over and above that, we should really be a prayerful people where we're saying, God, this is the one time of the week we're getting together. God, let your word be powerful today. Keep the distractions out of Pastor Dan's mind. Use it in his life first. He needs it. And you're right. How about that? You're right. But use it in my life. Did you come here that way this morning? God, I need the word. Why did you come here? Let me see what he can tell me today. Hmm. Let me see if I agree with him today. I don't agree with that. He did. How do we come? Are we really praying? God, bring in some visitors. God, let them get saved today. We have a baptism service. I don't know if I'm going to get electrocuted in a minute, but we, we have a baptism service. God, use that testimony tonight. Let those people that are being invited come 
That's the way you should pray this afternoon. You see, prayer should be such a vital part. Of... I'm shutting this thing off. You got another backup? Let's... Prayer should be a vital part of our life. Look at a couple more verses before we go today. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Well, you know what? We're in Thessalonians. Go back to 1 Thessalonians 5 first to save some time. 1 Thessalonians 5. Then I'll go to Ephesians. Look at verse 25. This is Apostle Paul. Verse 25. Paul says, pray for us. 2 Thessalonians, what do he say? Pray for us. Pray, brethren. Why? Because you need the word of God, but you need to pray. In fact, isn't it verse 17? Pray without ceasing. We'll get there. Pray without ceasing. Always be going before the throne of grace, depending upon him, realizing, remember last week? Realizing that he's got, or two weeks ago, he's got to open up the hearts. Remember Lydia? God opened that up. As I said, you can give somebody a message, you can witness to them, but if you're not praying, we need prayer groups. We need people that are people of prayer. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Prayer has to be a priority. This ties into the soldier, which is the last point on your notes, and <clears throat> I won't get to that one today. But in chapter 6, verses 18 and 19, I want you to see at the end of it, I'll just get to the heart of the issue there. He says this, with all prayer and petition, with all prayer and petition. What do we do? Pray. How often? All times. In what condition? In the spirit. What should I be focused on? With this in view, be on alert with all perseverance. And petition, what? For all the saints. Be praying for one another. Then he says this. And pray on my behalf. Wow, he's pretty consistent. Everybody he writes to, we talk about who he writes to, everybody he writes to, he says, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Why? He says so. Look at verse 19. Pray that utterance may be given to me in opening my mouth to make known with boldness, here's the tide of the word of God again, the mystery of the gospel. He said, just pray that I can have the boldness that I should have. Pray that the word of God will have its effect that it should have. Pray for me. See, that's what Paul says. And he ties in the priority of praying in the word of God again, puts them together. And he says, we've got to be a people that pray. Why? Let me, I will not cover the points today, but let me give them to you so I don't leave you hanging. And we'll pick it up next week. Let me just give you three quick reasons why we should be praying all the time, why prayer should be a priority in our life individually, why praying should be a priority in this congregation, why we should be praying all the time, and why Paul was saying that. And here's the three quick, three quick ones, and we'll pick it up with these next week. Number one, man is naturally blind. No one will get saved unless God opens their heart. Two, Satan is seeking to blind the hearts of those who are already blind. And three, every believer needs his eyes opened by God. 
Get that one? First two had the unbeliever. What we have is the unbeliever is blind by nature. He's also being blinded by Satan. But we often don't think of the third one. We cannot understand the scriptures and cannot understand the things of God, even as a believer, unless the Holy Spirit illuminates the scriptures to us. And that requires us to be clean vessels for the master's use. And you can read your Bible every day. And if your life isn't lined up, and if your prayer life isn't depending upon God to give you the understanding of the word of God, you will see next week, you will not understand it the way God intended it. And your life will not be effective as well. I'll also illustrate that from the word of God next week with some mighty, mighty men of prayer and some of the things that were accomplished. Might, us, might we get in our thinking this morning, at least if nothing else, is prayer to be a priority in our life? Yes. Congregation? Absolutely. Praise God that this book is our guide, but it should go hand in hand with our prayer life. And if you examine yourself, and if we do as a church, and we've found that we're weak, that's why we're being honest with you. We're not as strong as we should be as a church in prayer. We want to strengthen it. Why? Because in God's eyes, it's a priority. It should be getting strengthened in your life. Don't give up. Don't quit. Take it to God today and say, oh, God, examine my heart and help me to pray and be a prayer warrior the way I should be. Let's pray. Our Father in God, we thank you and praise you certainly for the word of God which is sharper and powerful than any two-edged sword. Pierces even to the dividing of sunder, of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents, even of our hearts. And we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that it is so powerful that it's able to take a person that has not known you, that by his nature is an enemy to God, by his nature is in sin, by his nature is even dead, as we'll see tonight, and is able to take an individual in that condition and bring them to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and open their understanding to faith in Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, who has sacrificed himself for sin to satisfy your righteousness. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you that it's able to penetrate into the hearts of believers and bring conviction and cause us to get on our knees and confess our sins, remembering that the blood of Jesus Christ has redeemed us, has bought us. We thank you for that. But we also thank you that you have given us prayer, allowed us because of our high priest and the work of Jesus Christ to come boldly before the throne of grace to find, to find the grace to help in time of need. Boldly before your throne. We thank you and praise you that you invite us you even instruct us as we will see that we don't receive because we don't pray. Help us to be a praying people. Help us to begin today. Father, if believers are here and their lives are not what they should be, help them to confess their sins. Oh, Father, search our hearts. Help us to be cleansed, create in us a new spirit, a new life, a new heart, that, Father, we might desire the things of God. 
Help us to realize that we might be going through the life that you've given us with good physical health and a lot of good things that are happening, even when the economy's bad and can, can so drift away from you, but we need to depend upon you. Help us to see that and to be ever ready to come to you in prayer. And Father, help us to pray for this assembly and this congregation so that, Father, we might be the people that we should be. And Father, being sober, soberly reminded of what we did this morning, we pray for Heather today and ask, Father, you do a special work in her life. And we want to rejoice with her. And Father, we pray that she would be restored fully and that you'd get all the glory. Father, help us to be the people that you would have us to be. For we ask this for your sake and in Jesus' name, amen.